2: everybody, to the latest episode of The Geek Buddies. Hey! I am John Roca. I'm a writer and producer and host over at
0: Collider, and I also do a lot of voiceover work around town. I am Michael Vogel. I am a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is
1: Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor, and I am scrambling to pull up my IMDb trying to figure out credits that I haven't said yet, but I'll just throw out there Sons of Tucson, singular, Bad Judge, singular, and Hollywood
2: Heights, plural. Nice. And dare we say friend of the show? kate walsh and bad judge maybe possibly friend of the show maybe maybe Maybe. she is maybe she's been listening through michael's posts who knows who can say uh but bad judge an interesting show should have worked unfortunately it didn't because kate was a great cast for that part right unfortunately maybe the writing didn't 100 percent work or the casting right right and i thought i did a pretty good job you thought you did a great job You were greats. You were greats. <laughs> plural. <laughs> Listen, judges, I can't. No, there's only one. There's only one judge. <laughs> Shannon's only one judge. I liked Benched on USA. I wish that had been better.
1: Was that with one of the gals from Happy Endings?
2: Yes. Yeah. She was great on that show, but the show itself didn't 100% get there, unfortunately. They didn't give it a second season.
1: I like People's Court. Uh huh. You're you a Wapner fan? Which big one? Wapner fan. Judge Josh Wapner. Because Ray- there was, was a second one.
0: Rain Man style? Judge Wapner.
2: Oh, you're a Wapner guy. Wapner's on at seven. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, def, 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 definitely Wapner. Uh, anyway, all right, so this week, we, you guys know, for those of you who are new to the show, uh, thank you for taking a chance on us and downloading this episode. Usually the way we do the show, and those of you who've, who've been listening for quite some time understand and know already, we do one geek news item of the week that each of us introduces and we talk about for a little bit, and then we move on to our main topic. Our main topic today is going to be discussing Pixar in, on the heels of the Toy Story 4 uh, reaction and Toy Story 4 box-offs, We're going to have a little conversation about Pixar and about animation and about uh, some other things that are maybe connected to Pixar as well uh, and where it might be going uh, as a studio and also what other studios might be affected by what's happening with Pixar. So a little more of uh, an in-depth conversation about that. But first, without further ado, Shannon McClung, what is your geek? News item of the week. My geek news item of the week is a little touchy
1: feely. So, oh, uh, oh. <laughs> hello. So the past year, obviously, our, our our audience doesn't know this, but the past year was a difficult year for me personally. Oh, went, right. went through a divorce. Very very difficult. Two of the things that got me through that are these Mm -hmm. gentlemen sitting to my right and left, two
0: two of my best friends. For all of you listening at home, there's nobody else here. He's talking about me and John. Yeah, yeah.
2: And the third I like how he said me and John, not John and me. But go ahead. Yes, go ahead.
0: The third thing is –
1: Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. This was one of my favorite shows when it started on Crackle several years ago. I think it was 2012. Um, I I grew up being a huge Seinfeld fan. So just to see him back in the public eye doing this, having just candid conversations with people, I loved it. And Mm. then when it went to Netflix and they started to get more and more guests, well, they just announced – um, I believe it's technically season 11. What? It's, it's season 11. There have been it's 11 seasons
0: of That a is a lot of cups of coffee.
1: That's a lot of wow. caffeine. Yeah. But they just announced okay. the guests for the upcoming season. So they have a bunch of returning people. Right. Barry Martyr, right. who's a friend of okay. Jerry Seinfeld. Um, Mario Joyner, who's also – he was a, a comic. He was also in an episode of Seinfeld. He popped up in a couple episodes, but he's mm-hmm. never had an episode just dedicated to him.
2: Well, but, he ran the 90s comedy. He was part of that 90s comedy bloom. Boom. Mario Joiner had a a show on, I think it was VH1 or or MTV, Mario Joiner Half Hour, and he would introduce comics. Really? Come on, I do five minutes. Yeah, Mario was very known for that.
1: When he pops in, his previous two episodes, he is hilarious. Um, Sebastian Maniscalco is coming back, Ricky Gervais, but the new guests, they have a a comedian named Bridget Everett, who I I don't know, Uh Um, Martin Short. Oh, wow. Oh, Mm nice. Melissa Villasenor, Jamie Foxx, Matthew Broderick. Seth Rogen, and the creme de la creme, Eddie
2: Murphy. This is fascinating for Eddie Murphy because people have been desperate for Eddie to come back and do stand-up. Desperate. And yeah, personal life, stuff of the movies are hit or miss, but people still love Eddie from that 80s uh, triple threat uh, of Beverly Hills Cop coming to America and 48 Hours. Yeah. They still love him. And Naughty Professor to a lesser degree. Um, So to see him go into the situation, a lot of us are excited, but then there are those cynical people who are like, he's not going to give you anything. He'll do the standard stuff. He'll overlap at Jerry's jokes and Jerry will overlap at his jokes, but you won't get any meat. And I wonder if there'll be any meat with Eddie because that's what we desperately want is Eddie to talk honestly about what happened and what's happened over the last few years.
1: Now, man. do you say Nutty Professor to a lesser extent because of the sequel? No, no. I say to a lesser
2: extent because I think it's not as tightly written or as um, – uh, I, I don't. I didn't think it changed the comedy landscape the way that 48 Hours did and um, um, Coming to America and uh, 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 Training Places did. Because, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, with, with Richard Pryor, he kind of like – Open the door. It's like Hulk Hogan opened the door for The Rock. It's like that, right? Richard Pryor is a great stand-up, but film-wise, really two films, but they're nowhere near the level that Eddie was
0: with 48 Hours and Trading Places and Coming to America. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, Coming to America still, to this day, is one of the funniest movies ever.
1: Yeah, see, I, I mean, Nutty Professor, that, that movie holds uh, a place near and dear to my heart. I mean, okay. th- uh, one, he played a completely sympathetic lead character. Yes. Surrounded, you know, you know, covered in these. Surrounded by weight. Prosthetics. Prosthetics, Michael well, really
2: sticks really <laughs> sticks on a tennis ball or ten, yeah a tennis ball and sticks really.
1: I mean the the din- the family dinner scene. I can, oh, it's I, incredible! I can watch that I, again <clears throat> and again. I, don't, yeah. I
0: mean, I, I'm always John. I I don't think that Nutty Professor is a bad movie no. by any stretch. I think it's really funny. But I think when you compare it to Trading Places, Forty Eight Hours, Coming to America. It doesn't have the weight of those movies. Those movies are You're making a fat joke right now. Yeah, doesn't have Ooh. the weight. Oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> humida, humida. fight me!
1: I honestly, because I remember when um, Entertainment Weekly, when it still came out weekly back in '95, when they had uh, an article about talking about the upcoming uh, Academy Award nominations yeah, yeah, yeah. and like who they would who they would want to nominate. If uh, it would be a reality, and one of the nominations was Eddie Murphy, yeah, for for Nutty Professor, I mean, I wouldn't argue he that. He breaks your heart at the end. Mm-hmm. He's so so good, um, but I but I am afraid you might be right that we for the comedians in cars, you might be we might be getting some
2: canned responses. Yeah, uh, Chris Rock, I could see going off script, but not Eddie. Eddie is so controlled about his image. Yeah,
0: right. Interesting to see. You know, you know how we'll find out how. We'll tune in. Hey, oh. Yeah, it's July 19th on Netflix.
2: I like the Ricky Gervais possibility. I like it because Ricky, Ricky will go off the rails, so it, that won't be a problem. But I, I want to give a shout out to Melissa Villasenor, who I absolutely fucking love as a comedian. I follow her on social media and Instagram. She's hilarious on Instagram videos. And she's funny doing those imitations on SNL. She's fucking yeah. great. Mm-hmm. And she can sing like a motherfucker. She was on uh, Jimmy Fallon's show doing that uh, sing, the whatever. She was great at that. was she doing? <laughs> 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 whatever he calls it, that the little sing by the style or sing by style or whatever. Did you watch Crashing? Did you watch the Pete Holmes show? I, I, I watched some of it. I watched, I wasn't as into it as you
1: were. I really enjoyed that show. Yeah. I think I might have a stand-up comedian. Uh, thing for TV, oh yeah. Um, but she popped up in the second season, play, you know, playing Look, I herself. I did see that
2: episode when his girlfriend was like, "Do you? Why do you sound like a choking frog or something like that? Is, this, is that your real voice? That's my real voice. What are you talking about? That was genius. I thought it was really funny. That's another uh, show that I was sad to see get canceled. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pete yeah. Holmes can't get can't get a break, man. He gets these shows. He can't keep them on air. Um, all right, what's our? We'll 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 in and we'll see. Maybe we'll have a mini review of it uh, down the road by you. Yeah,
0: We'll have some coffee (laughs) in a car. Oh, oh, LAX.
2: There you go.
0: (laughs) You guys can pick me up again on my
2: next trip. Oh, sweet Jesus! All right, (laughs) what's our next one?
0: Uh, I got, I got a couple stories uh, where we'll put this under the my my geek category of the week is rumors, rumors. Uh, But some interesting rumors uh, popping up online. The first one um, is about a Matrix reboot. Yeah, and by the way, these are not substantiated rumors. Yeah, none, none of this possible, is substantiated, right. so this isn't like a, a big yeah. scoop, like this is definitely happening. Right, right. It's more like I find these rumors interesting. Yeah. Um. So there's been lots of rumors about the Wachowskis uh, doing something with The Matrix, kind of like nobody knows. Is it a sequel? Is it a reboot? But the latest thing that's been popping up is that yeah. Michael B. Jordan is attached to be the new Keanu Reeves. The new deal. Uh, and I just I, – I, I don't really know how I feel about it one way or the other because The Matrix is one of those amazing uh, – things that the first Matrix is I think for anyone who was around and went to go see that movie in the theaters when it happened I mean that's one of those top ten movie going experiences where you were like I remember the first time I saw the Matrix it was so amazing it Mm -hmm. changed cinema Mm -hmm. and then the second two are like uh, yeah no agree we're not getting into like Star Wars prequel or DC movie territory but it's pretty rough I don't
2: know I I would say
0: they're pretty rough um But so what do we think about, A, what do we think about returning to The Matrix? Uh, Hmm. B, what do we think about Michael B. Jordan? And C, do we have a preference, sequel, reboot? Like what do we we think there?
2: Well, uh, I would say this.
0: One, I'm
2: nervous about the Wachowskis coming back to this because of what happened with 2 and 3. Um and um, and nothing. You know, I don't care transgender. I don't care about any of that stuff. It's about what you, what product did you create? Yeah, I want to make sure people don't get upset about it a certain way. I, I, I for me, if you hit a good movie in Matrix, but nothing you've done since has interested me. Although Cloud Atlas, I could defend a little bit of it to be I'm, honest with you. I'll defend Speed
0: Racer, but that's a whole discussion I know, for I know, another I, day. I, that's I, one I, that I, a lot of people I, do. I, I fucking I love know. Speed Racer, and I'll fight anybody about <laughs> it. <laughs> But like, but I accept, though, uh,
2: having Michael B. Jordan come back – or Michael B. Jordan come as a possible new Neo because, remember, at the end of Revolutions, they say that this has been happening as a cycle over and over and over again. So this is just the new Neo to start the new chain. And will this one be the one that breaks the repetitive pattern of the chain? I don't know. I mean – I know what you're Well, I was going
1: to say. Speaking of repetitive patterns, I mean, I don't, I can't think of any franchise that. that kind of ran its course and then was resurrected successfully, and and I think the Matrix will fall. I mean, with the same people, you mean? No, I, no, no. I, I, and like disregarding, d- accepting Star Wars. Was, what about? I was Sp- literally take, about to say. T- okay. take, take take Star Wars. What about
2: Spider Man? Like coming back with a new Spider Man franchise that's been doing really well. We both liked, or we all liked Far From Home.
1: Yeah, but I. Garfield movies I wouldn't count, and and the <laughs> new Spider I
2: wouldn't even consider Garfield movies. Yeah. How do
1: they not count? How does, well, No, how well, no, do- I wouldn't count them as a a successful uh, revisit. That's that's what no, I'm no, saying. No, no, for
0: sure. But I think that to Johnny's point, like you were saying, I, uh, a franchise that's run its course. I think you could say that by Spider Man three, Sony Spider Man had run its course. Agreed. Yeah. They tried to resurrect it, and I would agree with you that they didn't do a good job. yeah. yeah, yeah. And now. I guess you would say. I think that's a special circumstance because okay. okay. you involved in MCU.
1: Yeah, because when you're integrating totally it fair. into a larger universe, I don't think yep. that, I don't think that, that's right, fair. Exactly to give it, it the you. same. Yep. So that's that would fair. be my only thing. Is Agreed. The first Matrix movie is, mm-hmm. is amazing. And yes, we, you know, we were all around the same age when yep. that first film came out. And nobody knew based off the marketing. <laughs> yeah, some we, of us were a little older, but that's right. That's two really of us cool. were around the same age. Ah, One of us right. was much older.
0: Well, admit. You were in college with us and we all saw it on opening night together. Well, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> but based off the marketing, like, nobody <laughs> knew what it was. Like You had no idea what it was. Yeah. So now, now, that we, you know, now that the curtain has been pulled back, I like Michael B. Jordan. I mean, I'll, I'll yeah. go see him as the lead of something new any day. But in terms of revisiting that world, I'm like, meh. I'm not that excited. Yeah. I mean, I see – I mean,
0: I – listen. You look at the top five grossing movies mm-hmm. of 2019 so far, and with the exception of us, Disney has all of them. And it's like it's, it's – you know, it's, it's a Pixar movie. It's the Marvel movies. Star Wars is going to be one of those movies. Yeah. So I think if you're Universal or you're Warner Brothers or you're anybody else right now, you are going – What do we have? Mm. Like we're in the era of franchise movies and we need a franchise. And The Matrix, for all that the second and third movies are not necessarily beloved, is a franchise that has a lot of juice to it. There's a lot of people that love that franchise. And so I can see the executive Hollywood logic in – we got we to gotta resuscitate this thing. I because, understand because the logic.
1: I understand the logic. But do you, as a fan, th- based off of the Wachowskis' uh, resume, do you think that they're the, peop- they're, they're the folks
0: to be in charge? I think the Wachowskis are interesting. I read a really cool article about them a few years back that was just like, look, they're hit or miss. And when they miss, it's a big miss. Yeah. Uh, but they take chances. And some of those chances, Jupiter Ascending, for example, like just bad, just bad, <laughs> that bad, was horrible, bad, bad movie. <laughs> but they take chances. They take risks. And honestly, I think that might be kind of refreshing in a way. And also in the bigger picture, like taking the Wachowskis specifically and their uh, sort of body of work out of it. Uh, the world of the Matrix, Mm. the idea of what the Matrix is, uh, the robots versus humans, like everything that's in there, the way you can operate in the Matrix, the way that you can become a superhero and do the things that you can do. Like, it's such a rich universe that is already existing that I can see the possibility of something amazing happening. Now, can I also see the possibility of like a train wreck disaster? Absolutely. But if I was... uh, Executive at Warner Brothers, I'd take that chance.
1: Would you put the Wachowskis in charge? Or Possibly. One
2: of them? Possibly. I would not. Don't they come as a package deal? I don't think so. Maybe one is writing in the other two direct, like yeah. Cohen, like Joel and Ethan. Uh, for me, I, I can't know. I think Zach Penn is writing the yeah, – Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Zach Penn and is, is, right, what, is right. what's
0: rumored to be the case. You're
2: right, right. I'm just concerned about it. Well, I mean it's funny that it comes full circle in that, A, remember they wanted Will Smith not and not Keanu
0: Reeves for this So a black actor. Well, it's like actor. With Shannon's happening. So all, it all happened hmm. before. It'll happen again. Yeah. <laughs> Good point.
2: <laughs> but this could – do you think the, the, he is connected to the old – do you think he's like Lawrence Fishburne and uh, Jada Pinkett's son? Which would be ironic as fuck.
0: Um, I don't know about any of that. I don't know Son? any of the specifics. I would say that uh, – and this has nothing – I mean obviously it's all just rumors so yeah, nobody yeah, yeah, knows. Yeah, yeah. I – if it were me doing it, uh-huh. if somebody sat me down and said, you, what do you think you should do? I would not do a reboot because I don't think yeah. that you can really – you can top the second two movies but you can't really top the Matrix. Right. Like doing that movie over again, it's like you're destined to fail. Saying here's what happened in these three movies. Yeah. And here's where we are now, and here's a new hero that we're gonna, and we're going to build on what was there before. I think that's a safer area to explore, expanding the universe of mm-hmm. the Matrix in a way that sort of these movies happen, Keanu Neo happened, Trinity happened, like Morpheus happened, and here's what's next. I think is probably a better way to go. Yeah, it's sort of like the Matrix building their own Star Wars to a degree. I I feel like we're just getting in Terminator territory. Could be post T two, certainly possible, man. Certainly,
2: and we've seen already this season and last year. <clears throat> rebooting these old projects doesn't always work out and a majority of the time it doesn't. Yeah. No. And so it's kind of like that Child's Play reboot was not good, good. in my opinion and um, there's a number of ones that have come down the pike. You're like, Men mm. in Black International. He was like, Ooh. you know. So it's certainly possible that people are trying to reach in the back in the past but, to try to bring something forward. I mean, look, work. we
0: are living in the era of. It's like I said. I think every studio right now is looking at the Marvel universe and they're yeah. looking at the Star Wars universe yeah. and they're looking at the Where's power ours? of the Disney live action brands and everything. Yeah. And they're like, Disney has a strategy that is. For all the people want to complain about whether it's a cash grab or too commercial or whatever, it is clearly working. Yeah. They are dominating the box office right now. Okay. So you know, if you're a Warner Brothers executive, if you're a Universal executive, if you're anywhere else, um, your options are: mm-hmm. take a chance on something that's fully original that could work or could not work, right. or. Uh, Dig into your library and see what you've got and bring some great creators on and try and reinvent that. And looking at the success of Star Wars being reinvented and Marvel taking what was happening in the comic books for years and reinventing that into the big screen, people are trying to find their version of that. And Matrix is a top contender. Yeah, agreed. What's your, what's your other rumor? Um, well, so speaking of the Marvel Universe, uh, the other rumor that I, again, not substantiated at all, but it was one of those rumors that actually got me excited. Uh, there is a rumor that Marvel is circling around casting for Storm of the X-Men Ooh, yeah. um, and that they're looking at uh, Natalia Manuel, who played Missandei in Game of Thrones. We've discussed her at length already on this Sweet. podcast as we've argued and raged about Season 8 of Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, but... The fact that they're looking at her for Storm, uh, who she'd be a great choice, she's an amazing actress, yeah. is, is not the cool part. The cool part is the rumor is that she would appear in Black Panther 2 mm. as Storm or pre Storm Aurora Monroe. Yeah. Uh, and that tracks uh, Aurora Monroe. Uh, is African, Mm -hmm. and uh, in the comics, ultimately, at one point, actually even marries T'Challa, becomes the Queen of Wakanda. So her being a character in the Black Panther universe totally makes sense, first of all, Mm -hmm. but it actually opens up a really interesting um, possibility for the way Marvel might handle the X-Men. There's been a lot of articles. It actually has driven me crazy. I've seen every headline for the past week and a half, and it makes me so mad. Kevin Feige said in one interview, they asked him, would he Launch the X-Men in their own movie or would he put them in other movies first the way that Black Panther or Peter Parker was introduced? And his answer was, yeah, we would maybe do one of those. It just depends. And then every – news outlet in the world was like, Kevin Feige reveals how they're gonna reveal the X. And I'm like, that is that's not a reveal. That is an answer of here's two options. It would be one of those. Sure. So you're saying there's a chance. Um, so they drove me a little bit crazy, but the idea that uh like that Storm might show up in Black Panther 2 opened up the yeah. the possibilities of, you know, do we sort of start seeding the X Men throughout the Marvel universe? Does Bobby Drake show up in Peter Parker's high school? Uh, is Jean Grey or Banshee or somebody living in a small town outside of New Asgard? Like this idea that like we're not going to all of a sudden just drop the X Men fully formed into the Marvel universe, yeah. but yeah. we're going to start introducing characters in different franchises maybe before their mutant gene uh, activates or something else. Like I, it was a very interesting idea. So it it's one of those rumors that like who knows if it's true or not? Who knows where it came from? But but you know, sometimes you hear a rumor and you're like, eh, kind of like as we were just discussing with The Matrix. Sometimes you hear a rumor and you're like, maybe. And then sometimes you hear a rumor and you're like, I just got excited. Yeah. And the second that I read Storm, Black Panther 2, I got very excited. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, if you think about it, if you start to plant the X-Men throughout other films, like if, if uh, uh, Reed Richards is a, is a guest lecturer – at Peter's school.
0: Reed Richards is not an X-Men.
1: Well, no, I'm talking about the Fox properties. Excuse me. I mean, if let's you start, just be clear. If, if you start dropping the Fox... That's Gamma Rays, bitch. <laughs> the Fox <laughs> characters. If you start <laughs> dropping the Fox characters in established Marvel franchise films, yeah. you could start to mirror what they did in Phase 1 with the post-credit sequence. Suddenly it's Charles Xavier, Charles Xavier yeah. coming around, gathering Scott Summers, gathering Jean Grey. Yeah, I think that would be incredible.
2: I would love to see Miss Sunday in this, but... That's, let me see if I can walk this line very, very carefully. Once again, we go – and I know this is two white dudes and a Latino talking about this. But once again, we go with a light-skinned black actress for Storm. And there have been a very strong contingent of pundits, black pundits, female and male, saying they want a black, dark black Storm. She's African. Show her as African. Natalie Manuel is British and I I don't know what her heritage is. I don't know if she has – because her name seems French. But I don't know if she has a heritage in Africa. And and Bozeman, I don't know. It certainly didn't. But uh, neither did uh, uh, um, – what's his face? Uh, Michael B. Jordan. But like this idea here is like, okay, well, can we go with a darker skin? But maybe the exchanges. At least we get an authentic storm that we get right. Maybe that's the the uh, exchange in the MCU. And I would love to see her introducing Black Panther too. I thought that we. I think that would be great because we can move past the Okoye stuff and the Nokia stuff and move on to that. That would be interesting. Um, what's your problem with Nokia? With Nokia? I got no problem with it. I, I don't think he, I don't think either of them needs him to be their storyline. A romantic storyline with him. You think Storm needs T'Challa? No, no. I'm s- what are you trying to say, Johnny? I'm what say. are you trying to say?
1: Walk the line, buddy. Walk
0: oh, the line. line. Uh, I'm
2: trying to say that I feel like Jim Carrey walking across the shark tank. In- and <laughs> But I've, no, I, I feel like it's not that she, ne- she doesn't need Black Panther, but the character needs to be introduced is what I'm saying. And like Black Panther was introduced, it's a way of paying it forward. Yeah. We bring her in through the Black Panther storyline. They don't um, have to get together to make it better.
0: To your point, to your point about uh, skin color, I do think that in general, um, Hollywood does need to be better about that. Yeah. That the uh, that it doesn't take away the beauty of anyone who has lighter skin, but I think that is, you know, there's there's a tradition of that kind of being the way we go and so I definitely think yeah. that is something that should be considered. Uh, that West Side Story picture is certainly evidence of that. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely true. That's a whole that's a whole other subject yeah. for another day. Yeah. Um, but in general, Uh, And not to take anything away from Natalia Emanuel because I do think she's a great actress. Uh, The thing that makes me the most excited about the rumor is just the idea of Storm being uh, uh, introduced in Black Panther 2 regardless of who plays her. And I do think that were I to choose my ideal Storm – uh, based solely on appearance, yeah. it would be someone with darker skin. Um, yeah. I mean, like, really, it's kind of a shame because my ideal storm is Angela Bassett. It was Bassett. Uh, back in the day. They, and, like, messed, they, they messed that up. They messed that up 100%. Yeah. But that's yeah. a whole other... Because they went with if lights. I, if I, only much. I had a time machine. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Um, but yeah, so that's my geek news. Those okay. are the rumors. Cool. Uh, it's exciting stuff. So what do you got, Johnny? What is well, your geek news?
2: today, I, I was kind of struggling with what to talk about. And then this morning, we got this trailer that dropped and although it didn't get like a strong reaction i think from the fandom i still felt it would be something to talk about uh and that is the charlie's angels trailer that dropped <laughs> <laughs> oh boy <laughs> With that stars let me see if i got this right it stars certainly Kristen stewart that everybody knows and naomi scott is that right mm-hmm. from from aladdin, uh, from, from, aladdin. Mm-hmm. from aladdin and ella balinska who i don't know who's a british actress um, and then you, it's r- supposedly written by, and I put that in quotes, Elizabeth Banks, because I've heard stories about whether she writes her scripts or not for real. Uh, and Elizabeth also directs it. In fact, she put an own, or they they cut the trailer and said from director Elizabeth Banks. Um, so to me, overall, the trailer really was a lot of meh. And it felt, and as I, t- I tweeted, I said, Men in Black International, this is what it feels like to me. And it's a shame because I loved the series growing up as a kid in the 70s. I used to watch Charles Angel all the time. Uh, you know, Kate Jackson, uh, uh, Farrah Fawcett, uh, Diane Latt, all of them. It was great to watch them uh, do their thing. And then. Um, The movies I enjoyed as well with uh, Lucy Liu and Drew Barrymore and Cameron Diaz. By the way, I didn't want to enjoy those movies and I did anyway because the action and the acting and the humor and the sweetness of them all – it was really great. You like the second one? I enjoyed the second one. I loved the first one. I thought the first one was The first really good. one's great. Right. The second one... Yeah, yeah. the second um. one I enjoyed. Well, they moved, what, Bill Murray out and brought in Bernie Mac, so they went for the easy jokes in certain moments. But I thought their chemistry was still there, that's for sure. But you look at this one, and this one, you have an unwitting angel, a person who gets recruited by accident because she's a tech person. And then you have this stuff with uh, Kristen's... Oh, everything is a badass moment and a badass moment to say something. And there's no, like... There's no real like charm here. It just felt like we're all powerful and strong and that's it. And I'm I was left very unmoved
0: by the trailer. So <clears throat> Would you say that you felt about the Charlie's Angels trailer the way I felt about the Hobbs and Shaw trailer? Oh, I think that's uh, – sure, if you feel that way.
2: I thought the, I think The Rock and Statham had way more charm and personality together than we've seen from these three women in any of the scenes I saw in the trailer.
1: But also – so That's my opinion. Statham and The Rock do have a history
0: yes, they do. of working together. Yes, I Look, I'm, I'm not I'm not going to sit and here – And that's why they got the spinoff because there's charm. I'm not going to sit here and argue that I thought the Charlie's Angels trailer blew me away. Sure, sure, sure. But I watched it and I was like – yeah, well, I'd watch that. That looks fun. Okay. I it was like, a f- it was, it was. I have no idea if it's going to be good or not. Uh, you
2: really don't have an idea if it's going to be good or not. I. You <laughs> really don't have an idea. Don't
0: I... call me out if you can't get called. I'm going to call that like. A, I'm going to call that like a three rosé movie. <laughs> yeah. Like to, that's the movie you have have that you go roses. see when you don't have to. But I just think after three rosés. That movie would be. Uh, It'll go down it's, easier. It, it's, a, it, it's a Yas Queen movie. Like it is a. It okay. is absolutely a Yas Queen movie. Uh, there was there was there was wigs. There was out. But isn't that what a female action movie like in an ideal world like that, isn't that isn't that a, a type of female action movie that would be a great movie to see like it's just it's the like. They're awesome. They're badass. They've got amazing outfits. They've got wigs. They've Where's got the gadgets. Humanity? They've
2: got the. There's no humanity in that Where's trailer. Where's the humanity in the Hobbs and Shaw trailer? Oh, come on. There's... What What? you what, what humanity. He literally goes home to his family. He <laughs> literally goes home in the trailer to his family. And in fact, the family of Statham is all over that trailer. His sister, his mom. The, the, the whole thing's about, hey, like Dom said, it's about family. The whole thing's about family. This thing is just about empowerment. And I get it. Empowerment is good, it's positive. I just want to see depth to the empowerment. That's
0: my issue. I don't disagree okay. that. Thank you. I, based on this trailer, I didn't get a strong sense of depth. Yes. I'm just saying it looked fun. From Elizabeth Banks. What I shot? also think. <laughs> You know, it's it's like we talked about this when we did the trailers. Like Hobbs and Shaw, like the Fast and the Furious franchise, like literally does not do it for me on any way, shape, or form. I understand that. So so I watched this trailer, and in my mind, I don't think that this trailer blew me away that I was super excited. I couldn't wait to go see this. Oh my God, this is the hot new Charlie's Angels reboot that I've been waiting for. But I also think that it struck me the same as watching a Hobbs and Shaw trailer. I was like, here's a bunch of things that happen that could be fun. But The Rock is not an independent movie
2: actor. Kristen Stewart is. Is if you're going to take a franchise like this, shouldn't you demand a certain level of complexity and depth to the roles and to the
0: story that didn't come through in this first? Well, track? you're talking two different things. Wait, wait, wait! You just you just made like a that was that was uh, that was almost a uh, political debate level uh, oh. switch you did there. I'm on. You can't I'm say franchise stage. actor yeah. and then say uh, you mean independent film actor? Yeah, independent film actor. Right, right, right. Uh, what did you say after that? I lost it. You said a lot it. of things. You said a lot of things. A lot of, of really smart <laughs>
1: things. <laughs> no, I'm just
2: saying that do, do Kristen Stewart has enough cachet now as an independent film actress, respected independent film actress. You know, the clouds of Sales Mar. there's been a lot of stuff she's done. Was uh, it the shop, uh, whatever it is, where she was shopping for someone. Um, a lot of stuff that she's done has been really good. So you, if she's going to take a franchise like this, a picture like action franchise like this, shouldn't she demand a certain level of complexity and depth and uh, nuance to the story rather than just a very uh, surface level type of story? But maybe there is that. We just haven't seen it yet. Well, okay, then I'm only judging from the trailer, right? If another trailer comes out, and and you guys know I'm always open to changing my mind. If another trailer comes out and the trailer gives me that complexity, that depth, that interaction, that connection to them, the humanity of their relationship, their friendship, then I'm down.
1: Well, and I also don't think like, yes, yeah, she she has the has the Twilight films uh, in, in her past right. and she has all these big independent films. But I don't think a, a person at her level can can really make those demands. I, I don't think don't she think can. So? No, no. I think at the end of the anyway. day, if, if Kristen Stewart is not going to do what Elizabeth Banks wants, Kristen Stewart will not be in the movie. Elizabeth Banks will find another
0: young, young actress. And can I be honest? I'm way more excited about Naomi Scott than I am about Kristen Stewart. I like I, I, think, Kristen Stewart, I think Kristen Stewart is fine. I, I don't I don't have like a a plus or minus on Kristen Stewart. She's kind of as neutral to me. Like right, I think right. she's – I watched the trailer. I'm like, yeah, that seems like a role that she would play well. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Naomi Scott I think is great. Yeah, Like I think she's wonderful. I think she was maybe one of the best actors in Aladdin. Yeah. Um, and so I'm actually mostly excited to see her. I don't think I have any problem with any of the actors. I think
2: they're all good within their own right. And the, I didn't find any bad acting in the scenes. I just felt like it was much, and I. The little things that I've read, male or female, by the way, about what she did or what the
1: the creative team did to kind of change the universe, where the Bosley Bosley is more of like a rank; it's it's a position versus a person. I'm like, oh, that's that's interesting. I agree. The trailer didn't blow me away at all. I'm like, oh, this is this is harmless. This is a, yeah, this is a fine little afternoon at the movie, courtesy yeah. of AMC Stubbs A-List.
2: I just feel like if you're going to reboot Charlie's Angels, which is a fun, female-led action movie franchise it was missing from the, the 70s, you've got to capture the essence of it, right? That's why I said in my tweet, Men in Black International, because that trailer or those trailers always felt like they were missing the foundation of what made Men in Black so much fun. And I feel like this is missing the foundation of what makes Charlie's Angels so much fun. Huh, just my thoughts. All right, all right. Well, Alright, well, wasn't the battle you thought it was going to be. Alright, let's move on uh, to our main topic. <laughs> just... Hey.
0: Hey. I just said it looked like a F- Three Rose movie. That's right. <laughs> yes, King. Alright,
2: let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, this on. Uh, so, our main topic today, we were going to talk about Pixar because so much has been made about Pixar, A uh, Toy Story 4 rather, coming out, and it supposedly, quote unquote... Uh, underperformed from what the predictions were a few weeks before the film came out. Initially, the prognostication was about 110 to 120. uh, But then uh, people started or analysts started uh, taking these exit polls and based on the pre-sale tickets and the multipliers uh, that they were thinking it was going to be 150 or 160. Uh, Even some people had said they might break the Incredibles 2 opening weekend record, right? And we've seen films overperform all year. I mean, us was supposed to only be 35 to 40, did 70. Right. So, we've seen movies overperform all year. For the last, actually two years, we've seen movies really overperform. Shock The Nun, nobody saw 50 million coming off that, or Black Panther, over 200 million. Those things are, or Aquaman, over a billion. Captain Marvel, a billion. Those are all shocks. So, you look at this situation here, and you wonder, well... um is it really under – did it really underperform because it beat Toy Story 3's opening weekend. So that's a shocking thing. And then what kind of expectations do we need to put on a film like this, a fourth installment of a franchise?
0: Yeah. I, look, I think that – you know, as I was saying earlier, I mean I think Disney right now does have the top five – no, yeah. four of the top five uh, Gross League movies of the year so far. Yeah. Toy Story 4 being one of them. Sure. Um, and – I, you know, when you're when you're performing at that level and you're just knocking it out of the park consistently, you also have a target on your back. Yeah. Uh, people are looking at you to fail. They're looking at this. And like so they look at like Toy Story 4 and they're like, oh, you were you were you were supposed to make this much and you didn't. You're a disappointment. I don't think most people in Hollywood or the movie going public is looking at Toy Story 4 as a failure. I think mm. there were so many people that were saying, why do we need this movie uh, it's just a cash grab. It's not going to be any good. It's going to be one of the bad Pixar sequels, and I think most people are coming out feeling really good about the movie. I like, and like we all said, like I don't think it surpasses Toy Story three. Yeah, um, but I think they actually figure out a way to tell a solid story that continued, particularly Woody's story. And I don't think, given the box office that it's doing, given the critical response, given everything about it. Uh I don't think it's a failure so I think okay. this is a lot of um the internet trying to make a story where there's not really a story there. Okay. I think Disney's perfectly happy right now. I think <laughs> families are happy with Toy Story. I think okay. everyone's just kind of happy with it and people are trying to make a story and trying to make it look as if this is some huge disappointment when it's just really not.
1: Because what was its opening weekend? One thirteen or
2: something like that,
1: or one eighteen, something uh, like that. It, it's it's shocking to me that a movie can make one hundred and eighteen million dollars in a weekend and be classified as an underperformer. Yeah,
2: <laughs> that's. But it's all about perspective, right? And it's all about the expectations. They thought they were going to do this. It did this. Why did it do this instead of doing
0: that? Well, I think it's but like I hear what you're saying, Shannon. It, it seems weird. And I think it does get into the expectations of Pixar. And, you know, that's kind of what we right. wanted to talk about. Oh, and today. Disney, like you said. Pixar, Disney, and Toy Story itself. Yep. I mean, Toy Story is the movie that put Pixar on the map. Right. And from that point forward, Pixar has gone on to become one of the most consistent and reliable hit factories that exists. Ever, mm-hmm. I mean, it just it just time after time after time with a couple misses, which we can talk about. And within that, the Toy Story franchise has continually just stuck the landing every time. Yeah. So, Toy Story two, people were like, "Holy shit, this is better than the first one." Toy Story three, uh, many people, including me, and I know you, yeah. Johnny, uh, think that Toy Story three is Pixar's best movie ever. Yeah. Uh, and so, for the third movie in a franchise. To be the best of the franchise, that's unheard of. That's, that's a ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think like Toy Story four had a lot to live up to. It had a lot to prove. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as I said, I don't think it surpasses three. I don't think it has now become the greatest Pixar movie of all time. But for the fourth movie in a franchise to be as fun and emotionally affecting and uh, and powerful and interesting and original as Toy Story four was. No studio does that. Like how – like yeah. the fourth movie in a franchise to be received that way, like it just doesn't happen.
2: Rocky – I can think of Rocky as one of those rare franchises where the, install, the installments made more money subsequently than the first film did uh, and then obviously tanked with five but then came back strong with Balboa, Creed 1 and Creed 2. Right. So those are rarities and I yeah. think you're right and it stands right now just to give us a little context right now. It's at $291 million worldwide. And there's they they haven't released a production budget for how much it was, but you imagine two hundred it's almost three hundred million right now. It's only been out what two weeks? Not even, not yeah, even. not even two weeks. So and then July fourth is coming. This could put it if it gets to five hundred seven hundred million dollars. Then is this like Aladdin? This little quiet engine that could Aladdin crossed eight hundred fifteen million dollars yeah. the other day wow. worldwide. Nobody saw that coming at the beginning. Of the summer with the trailers and the clips that have been released and the anger. So is this uh, a thing that might just leg it out a
0: little bit and go up there above? I mean I think Toy Story 4 is definitely a movie that's going to have legs. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's not one of those movies that goes big and then trails off. I think that the yes. word of mouth on it uh, – you know, not just me. Like I, I recognize the fact that I particularly have probably some Disney blinders. Like I'm more mm-hmm. inclined to like a Disney or Pixar movie than most people are. So me coming out and saying I really like Toy Story 4 is not necessarily the uh, – The guarantee that the world is going to like it. But, uh, you know, I went after we all went to a screening to see it. I took a big group of friends to see it and just, you know, it was one of those 100 percent. Everybody walked out and they were like, that was great. Yeah. Uh, And everybody I've talked to is like, that was great.
2: I agree. I've never heard. I haven't heard anybody talk uh, negatively
1: about the movie. Yeah. And also it's a family movie. I mean, and families aren't necessarily inclined to see everything that comes out the weekend it comes out. I mean, it's not a superhero movie. People aren't weren't going to, you know, midnight showings of Toy Story 4. I mean, they probably were showings, but Mm -hmm. it's not going to be like a Marvel movie. Like it's it's going to have it's not a water cooler movie. It's not a water cooler movie. Yeah, it's not one
2: like you have to go see or else people oh. are going to talk about it and you're going to get spoiled or whatever.
1: No, people are going to keep going to see this movie, especially yeah. when people uh, – uh, there was some hesitation yeah. because like why do we need this? Right. As people come out and be like, no, it's actually really good. People are going to keep going to see it.
2: That's another thing people said is that it got affected by the fact that people were like, oh, I don't know. Do we need a fourth one? They thought the marketing didn't do it any The marketing you know, didn't do it any
0: favors. Yeah. I agree with uh, I agree with that point. yeah. Mm, I mean, I liked the trailer, so I would okay. disagree with that point. But I understand that it didn't necessarily appeal to everybody. But I do think also yeah. the thing that Toy Story 4 had going against it, and this is kind of like maybe something to talk about with Pixar on the whole, is that, you know, there was an era where if Pixar made a movie, it was guaranteed to be near perfect. Yeah. And that kept going and that kept going and that kept going. And then they had the Toy Story sequels, but it wasn't until, you know— I mean, I really – because I think Cars, Cars 2. 2
1: mm-hmm. I mean,
0: A, Cars 2. That's the Russian Was Cars 2 moment. the first sequel post-Toy Story sequel? Like was that the first one that they did a second movie of? Yes. And that was like most people – I mean, I think that yeah. Cars 2 is – it's a toss-up between that and Good Dinosaur. But Cars 2 is definitely one of the worst Pixar movies. Yeah. Which came out first, Cars 2 or Brave? Because I know a lot of people Cars 2. didn't necessarily love Cars 2. Cars 2, 2 came 2. out I Brave. Um, and
2: Brave, yeah, Brave is a troubling film as well, which that, still
0: won an Oscar. Well, that's a whole – we can talk about Brave in a minute. That's a whole other subject. But I do think that Cars 2 came out and it was a sequel and it was one of Pixar's first big missteps. Yeah. And then I think – you know, like for me, I think Finding Dory is fine. I don't think it's amazing. It's certainly not as good as Finding Nemo. It has some really beautiful moments to it. There's some really nice things. But as a whole – I don't think it necessarily holds up. So I do think that there was this idea that um, – and a lot of people said you know, particularly once Disney and Pixar sort of became one giant entity, sort of. I mean yeah, they're yeah. separate. But like once Disney animation, once uh, Catmull and when Lasseter was still there was running everything and they were running both Disney feature and Pixar, there was an idea that maybe that creative magic that Pixar had was fading as the commercial side of Disney was just pushing them yeah. to put stuff out. And even Incredibles 2, which people did really love and yeah. did amazing at the box office – uh, I think is not – it's not as good as Incredibles 1. You know I, I mean? like, agree. I don't think so either. So I think that with Toy Story 4, there was also this uh, – the sort of the halo of Pixar had faded a little bit and we were a little – and people were a little bit more cynical about them when it came to sequels. Mm. Um, and I think that Toy Story 4 has has that going for it, that people are kind of like – it almost feels to me like people want it to be a disappointment despite the fact that it's not.
2: Certainly possible.
0: I, I wonder what we go – oh, sorry. We, no, I was just going to say uh, – because the other one that – when you're talking of sequels and I mean I forgot about it because I don't count mm. it as a bad one is but a lot of people don't love Monsters University, which yeah, is crazy. I like. don't get that because I love that I, I think, that I think so Monsters good. University is one of my favorite Pixar movies. So oh. that's a whole other discussion but
2: – I would argue of all the direct sequels and by that I mean Toy Story 2, Finding Dory. Uh, Incredibles, Incredibles Cars. 2, Cars 2 and Monsters University. Monsters University is the only direct sequel to the first film that I would own. Of all those. this Toy Story aside. No, including Toy Story 2. I'm really? not a fan of Toy Story 2. I'm not a big fan of Toy Story Why aren't you a fan of Toy Story 2? I don't, I don't like uh, the Prospector character. I don't like Kelsey Grammer's character. I, don't, I, f- I just don't find that story as engaging as I would like to find it. It feels at times boring. And the stuff with uh, Buzz and Zorg and the dad, I was like, oh, okay, all right, I get that. Uh, blah, blah, blah. It's funny. But it doesn't have that magic. For me, it doesn't. But that Jesse uh, remembrance, where she remembers being left, the Sarah McLaughlin song. That is maybe the most heartbreaking moment in any uh, scene in Toy Story franchise. Uh, it's fantastic, but unfortunately, not enough of that film had the magic for me that I loved in one and three, and in this past one too. I would this two is my fourth uh, one uh, as I count it down is fourth in the franchise for me so in ranking wise
0: three, three, one, one, four, four and two. Two, yeah, and He's, so what were you saying about monsters university?
2: I love that movie, and I think that's where they got it right and made it interesting and went backwards, but made it uh but still kept the charm of the first movie and even expanded upon it by showing you how the villain came about in a way that was like unfortunate and tragic. You mean and Randy? Just, yeah, Randy. And you're just like, "Oh, this is great." And then throw in the Helen Mirren yeah. character and then throw in the real Dean Hartscrabble. Dean Hartscrabble. Okay. Are, are you trying to win a contest? I'm just throwing <laughs> these people in. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but I'm saying to you, but I enjoyed it. What else you got? E- either do the smone or don't. <laughs> <laughs> Which Michael has been asked numerous times to be a part of. But like this I'm this... not good with the trivia. Yeah, you you could have fooled me. Uh, but this um but the the relationship between Mike and uh, Sully are, is great in, in in Monsters University, you see the genesis of
0: their relationship. Well, and this is where – I'll use actually use Monster's University as the example for why I think Pixar does have this magic. And despite some sequels that aren't everything they could have been, mm. why I think that I had faith in Toy Story 4, why I have faith in Onward, why I'm excited about Soul, why I'm yeah. excited about all these things is that what Monster's University does that I find fascinating and the reason that it's one of my favorite Pixar movies uh, – I'll, I'll even say this, even though I catch flack for this a lot. I like Monster's University more than I like Monster's, Inc. I would agree with that. Agreed. Agreed. Um, And the reason I like it is uh, there were some interviews when it came out where um, the director, I think Lasseter at the time, said this. A bunch of people at Pixar said this. Like uh, in Monsters University, it's all about Mike uh, wanting more than anything else to be a scarer. Yeah. And in any other animated franchise from any other studio, the lesson that you teach kids is if you work hard enough – If you want it bad enough, if you practice, if you study, if you do the work, you can do anything. And what Monsters University is about is it says, hey, sometimes you can do all the work. You can do everything that you're supposed to do and you're still not going to get the thing you want. That's a crazy message to teach kids. Uh, A Crazy, truthful. It's a crazy, truthful message to teach kids. And to me, the moment in Monsters University, when Sully kind of goes to Dean Hardscrabble, Helen Mirren, and says and is defending Mike and is saying he works harder than anybody. He deserves this. And she looks dead at him and says, is he scary? And I remember being in the audience, not being quite sure where the movie was going to go the first time that I saw it. And it was like a gut punch because I was rooting for Mike. He's the main character. I wanted him to get what he wanted. That's what what a movie – that's how a movie works. You want the main character to get the thing. And – in that moment when she asked it, I was like, I mean, he's not. <laughs> he, he's not scary. And then you respect Sully for being honest about it. Yeah. And so then and so then when the movie goes into that whole sequence where Mike goes through the door and is at that summer camp yeah. and all those girls are just not scared of him. I mean, it's such a powerful movie because it says, hey, sometimes you're not the thing that you want more than anything. You're not going to get it. And you have to learn how to shift gears. Yes. Yes. You, you've got it. You've got a zig instead of zag. And and. And the fact that that's what the movie was, that these, that Mike and Sully didn't get to be scares because they worked harder than anybody. They found each other. They found a system that worked. They found two, you know, they found a friend that was the right partner for them. And then they started in the mailroom and worked their way up. Mm -hmm. And for so many people, particularly people that move out to Los Angeles, that you have these dreams (laughs) of doing stuff and you end up getting some job in the mailroom or some job (laughs) as an assistant and you work your way up and it doesn't work out the way you thought, but like you end up, I mean, it's just such a true message. And so that's the thing that I think is great about Pixar and the reason that, um, I think that even after all of these years, they can pull off a Toy Story 4 yeah. is because they go that extra mile to tell truths that other animated studios won't touch. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm.
1: What was the last movie that Lasseter was involved in? This last with? one. Was this, this was his, the last one. His name one. was in the credits. Maybe. So it'll be interesting to see going forward yeah. if Pete Doctor, because Pete Doctor is the one who's now right. – r-
0: Pete Doctor's kind of inherited Running the show. Yeah. On,
2: uh, on the Pixar side and then on the Disney side. Jennifer Lee. Jennifer Lee, right.
1: It'll be interesting to see going forward like how Onward looks, how Soul looks. Like are they going to be able to continue
0: that Pixar magic without the guy who – yeah. ostensibly started it um, so toy story three aside let me speaking of speaking of pixar magic i just spoke about monsters university and kind of the reason that it really affected me and why i think it's so good uh, what are the pixar movies that really affected you and why oh i'm gonna start crying
2: uh, <laughs> certainly nemo the father-son thing in nemo always resonates with me um, i found a later in life liking of the incredibles like, it's a film that I never revisited. I saw it once. And I was like, great. This is so much fun. But I never owned it, never bought it. When it was on TV, I never, like, stopped to watch it. But I think you, Michael, and a couple of the people, like, were like, oh, it's so good. It's, uh, Nost is another one. It's like, incredible. So <coughs> it made me go back and revisit And when I revisited, as an older man, I found a real connection with Bob and the struggles he's going through, like, the losing of what could, what he used to be, and then that moment, uh, you know, physically, you know, putting on the weight, having to take that job to pay the bills that he doesn't really 100% want to do. Like, I had been in that position. So, uh, you know, watching that movie really resonated with Resident, and that moment with him and Elastigirl, at the end of the day, he, he, I can't stand losing you again. I, I don't think I can survive. That broke me in half when I was going through my depression shit. I happened to watch it. I was going through it. I cried for like two hours. Two fucking hours. Like, I was just getting it all out of me because that moment was like, He's saying, I love you so much. If you died, I couldn't go forward. And that is – whoa. That is, you talk about uh, uh, concepts in Pixar movies that are really truthful that you don't see in other movies, animated movies. That's a powerful message. I think those two are the ones that leap to mind for me. Shannon?
1: Um Incredibles and Toy Story 2 are are sort of like my two and three. My number one oh, fascinating. Okay. is Up. Like, oh, yeah. I, uh, I, oh, yeah. I love Up. One, it just has the sort of high adventure uh, angle that mm. I that I adore. I mean, that's the type of story that I gravitate to. But then you tie in this romance. That uh, is it, Carl. Carl Mm -hmm. that Carl had with his wife Ellie. Ellie. uh, Oh yeah, just the opening sequence of that. I mean, I just (laughs) it is driving John crazy right now that Mike has (laughs) the (laughs) Tourette's over here. (laughs) (laughs) Those names loaded in the chamber, (laughs) Carl. But then Fred, (laughs) you add the relationship that he has with Russell. Yeah. And how it's this, this irritating kid that he just wants to be left alone. He wants to be left alone to expire. And,
2: and yeah. He wants to m- sit in his sadness and his uh, uh, just giving up on life. He just wants to sit, become a bitter old man and die.
0: And – so it's interesting, the, the choices, the things that you guys brought up, because here's what I find interesting about Pixar. And again, I think one of the keys to Pixar's success, which is, uh, you know, as someone who's been in an, an, an animation executive, mm. and then after that, an animation writer and producer, and I've worked with a lot of different studios, and I've been in meetings where you're talking to other executives and marketing people, a big thing that comes up all the time is kid relatability. Everyone's always scared mm. about kid relatability. Will kids get this? And the thing that Pixar does that I find fascinating time after time after time is you have these movies that come out. And the main emotional storyline is not a kid-relatable storyline. Mm. You brought up Nemo, yep. which is literally a story about an overprotective father that can't let his son live his life. Right. You brought up Incredibles, which is about a midlife crisis. Yep. And you brought up Up, which is about an elderly man dealing with the wife <laughs> the death of his spouse. Yeah. Uh, none of these things. <clears throat> if you were over at most studios pitching like what is that big summer movie for families that kids are going to go to – uh, you know, and you can just go down the line with Pixar. You can go, you know, hey, well, let's do a story about a midlife crisis or an old guy whose wife dies and yeah. he just wants to let it all end or a rat in a kitchen. <laughs> uh, you know, I have a this is a funny story. Uh, I think we were talking about this the other day, but mm. when I was at Sony Television um, as an executive, Sony Pictures Animation was just across the way and there was a couple executives over there and we were all friendly because we all yeah. were in animation. And so uh, the weekend after Rat Opened, I kind of walked over to see how they were all doing, and they were just in the worst mood. <laughs> I was like, Guys, what's wrong? And they're like, Oh, I'll tell you what's wrong. Fucking rat tattooey. I'm like, You do not like it? They're like, No, we loved it. And they like, Well, then what's the problem? And they're like, We come into work on Monday, and we got emails from everybody saying, Where's our rat in the kitchen movie? Oh, yeah. And if we had pitched a rat in a kitchen movie oh. last week, we would have been laughed, we would have been fired. But now that Pixar did it, that's what everybody wants. And it's like, you know, it just it always amazes me that Pixar sort of stays ahead of the curve when they do. Yeah. Uh, When they don't, it's very you know, when you have a good dinosaur or something, it's like a giant thud (sighs) because it's so rare when it happens. Right. Um, but they also knew that was going to be a giant thud. Like the, the writing
2: was on the wall, don't you think? I don't know. I was at I went to a junket for that in at Pixar. Um, and they showed us 20 minutes of that footage and they were like extremely excited for the film because they were applying that new technology, that photorealism animation to that film. And they had like put all new computers in the entire building to be able to do that movie.
0: I think they were excited for you guys. I think they mm. knew it was bad. I okay. think the thing that happens with animation, and it's sort of horrifying because it happens in slow motion. Because it's four years to do Well, no, because yeah. what happens is, look, they, they develop that story. They develop that story. And, like, what you do uh, – when you're developing an animated movie, you kind of like – you put it up on real story reel. So yeah. basically you storyboard the – you write a script but the script is just like the beginning. It's almost like the kickoff. And based on the script, you do an entire storyboard uh, of the movie and you do a scratch track if you don't have the cast yet. And you put it up and you look at it and you rip it apart and you do the movie over again. <laughs> and Pixar sometimes will do that like 10, 12, 14 times. Wow. I mean the movie just gets redone over and over and over and over. And with Good Dinosaur, I think they got it to a point where they're like, well, we got to go. I think I think it did get pushed at some point, yep. didn't it? Um, and so they were having a lot of story problems. But what happens in an animated movie is once you go into production, like once you actually start animating it, like you reach a point where you're like, it's the point of no return. Like yeah. you're sitting there and you're watching it in slow motion happening, and you're like, uh, this movie's not good. Yeah, it's not working. Hopefully maybe – and then you go in and you maybe change this scene or you tweak this scene or you add something here. You're like maybe if we put a little moment at the beginning, it will make this resonate more. And you go in and you try and like – it's like triage. And so I think that by the time the movie was done, they knew it wasn't good. But like what are you going to do? Right. Like you kind of go out and so then you have the big junket and you go out and you're like, hey, it's photorealistic. We're going to focus on the thing that we like about it. (laughs) Like to pay no attention to this story because it doesn't work. Oh, yeah, I did come away
2: f- enjoying the short more than I did the movie, the 20 minutes of the movie, yeah, because they showed us the short uh, with the Indian short that was before Sanjay's
0: Super Team. Yeah, Sanjay's yeah. Super which was badass.
2: I know some people didn't like it. I, I loved it, it. I loved it, too, and... So
0: you might be right. And then maybe what happened with Brave where they went and realized halfway through, we're like, oh, well, shit, we need to do something to change Brave this. Brave is interesting because uh, I believe it's Brenda Chapman was the director and yeah. she was taken off halfway through. Right. That's what I mean. So I think that the difference with that uh, – uh, I've talked to a couple people who were at Pixar oh. at the time. Cause, so Brave is an interesting one for me because I, uh, I think that it – I think I like 50 percent of Brave. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's two movies. There's 50% of Brave that I think is lovely and then there's 50% of Brave that really, really bugs me. As soon as The Witch shows up, I'm out. The Witch is horrible. Yeah. Uh, And then the part that really gets me is after The Witch gives Merida – the little cookie. Yeah. When Merida gives that cookie to her mom, Emma Thompson, and her mom starts having all these stomach pains and is clearly like an excruciating pain. Yeah. And Meredith's is like, great. So do I have to get married? And it just makes her such an unlikable character. So there's a couple moments in Brave that really just turn me off. But what I've sort of realized is – and again, I don't know this for sure. But I feel like you know, Rashida Jones who kind of mm-hmm. – her and her writing partner came up with a concept for Toy Story 4. Right. And then they left – early on in the development process and Rashida Jones said very publicly that it was just because Pixar doesn't really uh, in her estimation listen to uh, other voices, Mm -hmm. that there's not a lot of diversity in the voices of Pixar. And it feels to me like what happened with Brave is Brave was kind of before this era of women telling their stories, people of color telling their stories. But I think you had a woman at Pixar. so the first woman to direct a movie at Pixar. And she was telling a story from a very female perspective. And I kind of get the sense that a couple of the guys were like, this isn't how a Pixar movie should be. Right. And gave her the boot and we're like, let's make the witch funny. Let's make the men have – let's take their pants off. And there was a bunch of stuff that got thrown in that felt very not what the movie was. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where Brave suffered. I actually literally just rewatched Brave two weeks ago. Uh uh, And the stuff that I like about it I think is great. And the stuff that I don't like really drives me crazy.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, That's what I'm worried about with Frozen 2, which is Disney, right? It's not Pixar, right? Correct. Yeah. The rolling rock things, I don't want any more of those things. Like, I I like the Elsa-Anna story as what it is, which is two sisters trying to negotiate this relationship and move the kingdom forward, right? You start
0: throwing in these rock fucking trolls. I'm out. I'm out. When I saw him in the trailer, I was like, oh, I don't care about you. The trolls are not my favorite part of Frozen. Thank like, you. Once you have these things and you're sort of trying to build your story, you're like, well, let's do something with them. Yeah. Maybe they'll be better this time around. Yeah, maybe.
2: <laughs> we'll see what happens with Pixar. Certainly, if Onward and Soul don't do well, there's a conversation to start having about, which is an com- uncomfortable conversation, did Lassiter take the magic with him? And if he did, what happens to this studio? So this will be. Well, I, I'm looking forward to see what happens. I hope they knock it out of the park about these films, but I was not impressed by the Onward trailer. Well, and it's also going to be interesting to see because, you know, Lasseter's over at Skydance now. Yeah. Um, he did not get moved out of there, even though people complained and Emma Thompson publicly walked no, away a, from
0: that project. So, but here's the, And this gets into the big. Uh, Putting aside my opinion on whether or not he should have been hired at right, Skydance right, right. and whether or not he deserves a chance or doesn't deserve a chance, that's sure. a that's a very different subject. Uh, I just find what what's going to be interesting to your point is yeah. um, deservedly or not when Skydance's first animated movie with John Lasseter's name attached to it comes out, everybody's going to be watching that yeah. like with like 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 a hawk. I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see what that movie does. In comparison to like what the Disney Pixar machine does right now. Yeah. And that brings up another point uh, that we've been talking about earlier, which is, you know, now that Disney sort of has enveloped Fox yeah. uh, and Fox's animation slate that they had and stuff, you know, like there was that uh, there's that big story this past week. Yeah. With Mouse, about mouse Guard, mouse guard yeah. which was in development at Fox Animation with Weta. Yeah. And Weta. Uh, Weta. And uh, and it got. Shut down. Yeah. It And so then the director released nine minutes of sort of development footage, uh, proof of concept. And it's gorgeous. Um, And so the question is like where – you know, with Pixar and Disney being such a machine, where is the space for these other studios or these other animated stories?
2: Well, that's a good question. I mean you would imagine that Disney would be a place for this because if it's a $170 million project, Disney certainly has the pockets to fund a project like that to bring it home. But I think we were talking off, off mic, and you, you said something that has been bothering me, too. As people have been glowing about the nine minutes of footage, we don't know what the story was. We don't know what if the story was terrible. And this guy's track record, as much as some people may want to defend him, those are those Maze Runner movies. Like, the first movie was, I guess, people liked... But they got subsequently worse. So you start asking yourself, is this a guy you trust with a $170 million project, animated project?
0: I do think that's true. I think that, you know, I think there is a narrative out in the world of social media that Disney is this giant corporate machine that wants to, uh, you know, strangle and kill anything that is not a Disney princess or a Pixar movie. Um, and look, there might be some truth to that. But I also – yes, the thing that I was saying was I think that the footage uh, that they showed, that nine minutes of footage that you can look at on YouTube, if you just put type in mouse guard, yeah, mouse guard. Uh, demo reel or it, something. It looks like a really good video game. It yeah. looks like a, a cinematic for a really there's good some, video there's game. There's some beautiful stuff. I mean, oh, yeah. It's gorgeous. But we have no idea of the story, right. you know, like everything that we've been talking about with Pixar. But the screenwriter actually released the script. Yeah. So yeah. we can we can check it out. Yeah. I've not, not read it yet. Uh, and he even said that that script that he released is his script and that it had gone through many changes. So, oh, so. we don't know where yeah. the story ended up. Right. But, I mean, I do think that this boils down to there's two different ways that you can look at the Disney Pixar machine. You can look at it as, like I said, a corporate entity that is all about commercial and making money that's going to strangle anything that's not the thing that they're going to make a bajillion dollars off yeah. of. But at the same time, it's pretty undeniable that their track record of storytelling with what Pixar has done and what Disney has done in the past few years is really strong. Yeah. So, you know, I, me being the Disney fan that I am, I kind of have an opinion that maybe that Mouse Guard story just wasn't up to par.
2: Yeah. And that, I think
0: that had it been, they would have been like, great, let's release it.
2: And I'll toss this out there and i toss it out on Movie Talk as well. I think this is his Tim Miller, Ryan Reynolds uh, tactic which is, I'm going to release this footage. It got leaked or whatever. I'm going to release this footage. And then maybe another studio sees this. Try and to goes, get the conversation started. Exactly. Right, oh, right. this might be interesting. Like Netflix who's burning through $8 billion a year. Like, hey, this might be interesting. How much would it take to do it? Can we adjust the budget? Blah, blah, blah. I think this was his moment. And also that two-minute <clears throat> kind of sad video where he posts showing all the empty desks of all the people who were working on this project is very interesting as well to kind of show how much... Time and effort they put in the the massive sets that were there and the pictures and the storyboards, all of that I think is very smart by the director to be like, see, this is the kind of effort we're putting in. If you want to put this – bring this back to life, we can do this. I guarantee you after that footage, if he had started a Kickstarter, who knows how much he would have gotten to money-wise. Who knows? Because people – we're going gaga for these nine and a half minutes, going like, "See, this is these are this is what we this, Disney's going to kill. We needed to support this." Blah blah blah. I had to correct someone on Twitter who said this is the kind of small and original projects. That again, I was like, "A, it's based on a graphic novel, so it's not original. B, uh, there's nothing small about a hundred seventy million dollar budget." Yeah. I had to break it to you. So, but uh, but Mike, was it just a wrap up because we're at that point now? You make a great point where we'll see people want to vilify Disney, but Disney is also really. Created so many great emotional moments in our lives and helped us carry through some really tough moments in our lives and made us laugh, made us cry, made us look at the world in a different way. So you may want to hate the mouse, but the mouse has really helped you a lot of your life.
0: And one thing, like my final thing that I want to say about it, just because this is something that I talk to a lot of friends about a lot of time, is that believe it or not, there's actually not a mouse Running Disney, <laughs> uh, believe it or not, uh, the mouse. When we all talk about the mouse,
2: right? But uh, <laughs> I,
0: I, to but, me, I imply board but, members. But yeah, you know, I mean, that. literally, at, a at, mouse at one end of the Disney lot. <laughs> if you go over to the Disney lot at yeah. one end, there's the Team Disney building, right, 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 and it has all seven dwarves holding that building up, and that is a corporate building, and there are executives and suits and businessmen and marketing people, yeah. and those are the people that are making the decisions. That a lot of times are those commercial calculated decisions. Those are the people that, when you're a cynical person looking at the way Disney makes decisions, a lot of the people in those buildings in that in the Team Disney building are making those decisions. Yeah. But on the other side of the lot, way past past them on the other end, is the giant Sorcerer's Apprentice hat where Disney Feature Animation is, right. and all of the people in that building um, are storytellers. Yep, they're artists. Their uh, their their visual effects people, their storyboarders, their directors, their writers, their creatives, and they're doing everything they can to tell amazing stories, and they're telling really great stories. And the same goes for Pixar. Um, so I think you know, it's it's the truth of Hollywood is really. It's not that Disney's making all of these decisions because they're just amazing storytellers, right. and it's not that Disney's making decisions because they're just calculated business people. Disney makes decisions because both of those forces are fighting against each other yeah. every single day, and you hope that ultimately what comes out is magic, and sometimes it is, and sometimes you get a car's too. This has
2: been your one-minute window into a
0: studio. <laughs> <laughs>
2: the geek buddies. All right, let's wrap this thing up. Shannon. where can people find us, my friend? Yeah, you can follow us
1: on social media, on Twitter, at geek underscore buddies, and on Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. Right now on Instagram, we're doing a countdown to Comic-Con. Ooh. Where we're having a before-they-were-podcasting. You get to find <laughs> out what John and Michael and myself were doing before we got behind the mics here. Yeah. Only, uh...
0: Only, only safe, only safe stuff, right? We're not getting into the. I make no promises. Oh, jeez, yeah. I'm worried.
2: sent him our arrest. Some so, bad
0: stories out there.
2: And <laughs> the police arrested us. I sent him that one. Oh, that's I, a good I, one. That's a
1: good picture. I, I asked for your photos. I didn't say that I didn't have any
0: of my own. <laughs> oh, good point, Shannon. Whoa. Uh cares? Vogel. Uh, hey, everybody, get on uh, wherever you're watching us. Whatever you're doing right now, if you're watching us, where you're listening to us. Boom. Um, Go and uh, give us some stars. Give us some ratings. (laughs) Tell us what you love about us. Tell everyone else what you love about us. Tell everybody else what you don't like about us. We don't care if it's good or if it's bad. We just want to get the conversation going. Mm -hmm. So you want to talk about stuff? You want to talk about how John was – Wrong last week about the re-release and how he's wrong this week about the Charlie's Angels trailer <laughs> wow, you know that's fine well, with me. It's always me being wrong I like that you want to talk about you want to talk about how I'm right about Monsters University uh, being great or how I'm right about uh... sure sure. yeah there you go. Sure. Hey, Shannon? <laughs> He's just, just a cute little guy over he here. Is, he He's is. a good guy. Yeah. Uh, so definitely give us comments, give us likes, give us stars. Uh, it gets the conversation going. It gets more people uh, seeing us and yeah. more geeks to come be buddies with. Michael Banks over here.
2: Yeah, you can follow <laughs> me uh, at The Roca Says. Um, we really appreciate you guys sending us the comments. Keep those things coming, as, as Michael said. So you can follow me at The Roca Says. You can follow Michael at MKToon. And Shannon. On Twitter, at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. There you go. Let us know what you thought of everything, and we will talk to you next time on The The Geek Geek Buddies! Hey!